for the kingdom of God for such a time as this. Your church has a vital role to play in these days and times right now. And I don't want you to get discouraged. God has a reason for you being here. God has a reason for your church still being in existence. Now is not the time for the body of Christ to have an identity crisis. Now is more than ever, it's time for the church to be vigilant and hold firm to Christ and the tenets of the faith like never before. And I believe this message that Jude has is not only for the folks that he was writing to during that time, but I believe this message is for us today. I'm going to be in Jude uh, verses 17 through 25. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, the, the book of Jude is kind of sometimes overlooked. It's, it's right before the book of Revelation. Um, and it, it is kind of an odd book because it doesn't have chapters. It's just, it's just all one. It's just verses. And so I'm going to be uh, reading from verses 17 uh, through 25. So I'll give you a chance to turn there. And like Pastor Larry said, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long, so I'm going to kind of try to roll through this. But my heart is full this morning because there's, there's been a lot that's been going on. And it feels like there's not enough time to really express and, and to really talk to everything that I would like to talk to. But I'm going to try to keep it moving because we don't have all day, right? <laughs> so um, Jude wanted to encourage the readers to defend their faith. Um, you got to understand that during this time uh, when Jude was written, uh, he was writing to a bunch of Jewish Christians. And Christianity was under political attack. And it was under spiritual attack. Sound familiar? And so Jude, he wanted to, he wanted to give out some encouragement to the saints on how to defend and stand for the faith in the midst of all of the, 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 the chaos and the turmoil that was going on. So I got seven words for you this morning. Seven words. You can write them down. Uh, Jude points out seven ways in which the saints should defend the faith. They needed to remember. They needed to build. They needed to pray. They needed to keep. Keep. Look. Evangelize, and in parens you can put disciple. And know. All right, so remember, build, pray, keep, look, evangelize, and know. These key points were crucial for the church then, and they're crucial for us now. So uh, let's read uh, this, this passage. And before I do that, I just want to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time, uh, Lord, for us to get into your word. I pray, Father, that you would give us um, ears to hear. And I pray, Lord, that uh, whatever is said, um, Lord, that you would take it and use it um, for your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus we all pray. Amen. So Jude 17 through 25 i'm going to read but you beloved remember the words which were spoken before the apostles uh spoken before by the apostles i'm sorry of our lord jesus christ how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust these are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit but you beloved Building yourselves up 
on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some uh, have compassion, making distinction, but others have, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. So what do they need to remember? Remember godly teaching. That's the first point. Where did the teaching come from? They said it came from the apostles. The apostles were messengers at the onslaught of the early church who saw the risen Christ and were specially commissioned by Christ. And we think about the original 12 and then extending to Matthias and Apostle Paul. So what were the teachings? They're saying that there's going to be mockers. They're saying there's going to be scoffers. There's going to be people that are going to be coming against the church and speaking all kinds of foul stuff that's not true. They're going to be coming out, and they're going to be devoid of the Spirit, not true followers of Christ. They're going to be perpetrators, if you will, people who are wolves in sheep's clothing. In fact, the Apostle Paul had already talked about that in Acts 20, verses 29 through 30. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among our, our, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish everyone with tears. So these mockers, they were coming, and they were spouting off all kinds of false stuff. They were false teachers, fakers, if you will. And now, what was their primary agenda? What did they really come to do? They came to tear off tear the very fabric of the church. They wanted to sow disunity. They wanted to just to separate. They wanted to cause divisions. Um, the Amplified Bible says they were agitators, setting up distinctions. God has no dis- respect. God is no respecter of persons. God is not in the business of division. God, he wants unity in his church. And the apostles were trying to warn against these folks. And in Ephesians 4, 4, it says what? That we are one body, one in the spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There's all sort of false teachers out there today. All you got to do is pull up social media. Or you can look on regular mainstream media. Everyone wants a voice. But what are they actually saying? What are they actually saying? Everyone proclaims to be speaking biblical truth, but they're not always doing that. Everyone does not have godly character. And this is why we need to be on guard. The only way for the church to protect itself against wolves, these are wild animals, basically, is to use spiritual discernment. We need to be selective. We need to be using wisdom. We need to be observant. We need to watch. 
We don't have time for the fake ones. What else do we need to do? He says that we, we needed to remember the teachings. And the next thing we need to do is build. Build ourselves up in faith. Build ourselves up in faith. You know, one of the things I used to like to do when I was a kid, y'all can go ahead and laugh. But I used to have uh, a lot of Legos growing up. And I used to like to um, just, just pour them out on the table. And I would just stack them and build stuff. And I used to also um, get these uh, things called um, models. It would be like cars or planes or something like that. And I, would, and I would put them together. They were very intricate. And one thing about building something, whether you're talking about a building like this, or you have to start with the foundation. You got to start with the foundation. So our foundation, if we're, build, if we're supposed to build up our faith, what is our faith actually in? Are we putting our faith in something false and fake? Our faith is supposed to be grounded and rooted in what? Christ, right? Right. And Christ was more than just the baby who was born on Christmas or a homeless Jewish teacher, a rabbi spouting Thomas truth, more than just a prophet. Jesus was the very son of God. The very son of God. He was, the Bible says he was the image of God the Father in Colossians 1.15 through 19. Jesus, through Jesus, all things were created. And Jesus was the one who makes it possible for us to have a relationship with God the Father. Uh, we can't walk into a relationship with God the Father on our own merit. Okay, we can't win God the Father's approval by doing good works and stuff like that. We've all failed. We haven't met the standard. We've all sinned. And then in Romans, uh, you know, 3.23 says, we all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've missed the mark. And the wages of sin is death. But God didn't want to leave us in that situation. He provided us a way out, and it's through his son, Jesus Christ, born a virgin as we just saw in the catechism. He lived a perfect life, healed the sick, raised the dead, fed the hungry. But most of all, he took the punishment for our sin by being beaten and then crucified on the cross. He was buried, but he did not stay dead. He rose with all power in his hands. Colossians 1.21 says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, guarded and steadfast. We need to continue in the faith. We need to build ourselves in the faith. And if you don't know Christ, you need to repent today. Today is the day of salvation. You need to accept the free gift that's given to you. Romans 10, 10 through 13 says, For with your heart one believes, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. But the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. But there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today is the day of salvation. And our, our faith is anchored and rooted in Christ. That's a sure foundation. That's not going anywhere. That's bedrock. 
And so we need to continue to build on that foundation. How do we build? Jude continues. The other word that I mentioned is what? Prayer. How are we praying? We need to pray in the spirit. We need to pray in the spirit. People often define prayer as simply talking to God. But based on this passage, it's a little deeper than that. Not just shooting off words. Effective prayer is done under the Holy Spirit's guidance and influence according to the rule of God's word with faith and fervency. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind uh, uh, what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God we're not alone in this journey of prayer the spirit is there with us and we need to connect with him when we're praying prayer is about connection with God how many times do we see Christ going off on his own to connect with the father if Christ needed to do it how much more do we need to do that Prayer demands humility. Ecclesiastes 5.2, we need to let our words be few. Prayer is a weapon in the arsenal against spiritual warfare as we contend for the faith. Ephesians 6.16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Watch this. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. When we pray, we got to ask ourselves this question. Are we just going through the motions? Are we just going through the motions when we pray? All of us struggle at times with prayer. It's not always the most exciting thing for us. In our busy life, we got... TV and tablets and all forms of entertainment. You know, taking that time of quiet and solitude, sometimes, you know, what the first thing happens you get, when you start doing that, you go, oh, 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 I'm supposed to be praying. Next thing you know, you look up, it's like 20 minutes later, half hour later. Don't feel bad. The disciples did the same thing in the garden. Can you not pray with me for one hour? Can we not pray for five seconds? That's tough. It's tough. That's just real talk. But, I mean, we really need to take it seriously. I think prayer is one of the things that is uh, most underrated in our Christian walk. Because it, it requires so much humility. It basically requires us to put our hands up and say we're not in control. We're used to trying to fix stuff and make stuff happen for ourselves. When we pray, we are admitting that we can't fix it. God is the one that's got to fix it for us. What else do we need to do? Keep, what do we need to keep? Keep yourself in the love of God. Doesn't that sound nice? Keep yourself in the love of God. Keeping yourself, according to scholars, it means guard or reserve yourself from being dragged off. Okay? You know, keeping ourselves in the love of God, that's more than just a notion. That's why I say, doesn't that sound nice? Because is that always easy to do? Come on now. 
Loving people is not always easy to do. But, you know, God is looking for the church to model what love truly is. Uh, what is it? Kurt Franklin's love, a word that comes and goes. But uh, what is how the rest of it? <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, comes and goes. Uh, but few people even know what, what, really, what love, something what love really means. But y'all know where I'm going with that. So I shouldn't even went down that road. So now, now I don't embarrass myself. I'm trying to be smooth and quote some lyrics. Couldn't do it. Trying to be relevant. I'll just stick to the passage. But uh, <laughs> God is looking for a church to model what love truly is. It boils down, you know, honestly, it really boils down, it all boils down to how are we treating people? How are we treating people? Um, instead of being dragged off by life, characterized by hate speech, indifference, bitterness, anger, and malice, like the world, and we see enough of that all around, and it's going on like wildfire right now, the believer needs to be preoccupied with how to demonstrate the love of God to a lost and dying world. We all know the passage in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 7, love is patient and kind, and love doesn't envy, it's not arrogant, not rude, doesn't insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. But here's the thing. <laughs> this, is, this is like one of the most difficult things to, to do in life sometimes. Um, but God is calling us to a higher standard. Agape love is sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience discomfort, and even death for the benefit of another without expecting anything in return. I'm going to repeat that. Agape love is sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience, discomfort, and even death for the benefit of another without expecting anything in return. And according to the scriptures, we're supposed to demonstrate love not only to God, but we've got to demonstrate it to fellow believers, which can be a challenge at times. Because as quietly as it's kept, everybody in church don't always get along all the time. We also have to demonstrate this love to our neighbors. I mean, sometimes neighbors can be very difficult to get along with. But then we have to take it even a step further. We got to demonstrate love to our enemies. Come on now. Come on now. When exercising biblical love, we have to do it in a way that's wise. Now, see, here's the thing. A lot of times people confuse love with being a pushover. You can exercise godly love and still have boundaries. Somebody say boundaries. Sometimes biblical love involves healthy confrontation, which is not easy all the time. Sometimes you got to confront 
some stuff. But here's the thing. It's about how you confront some stuff. You got to make sure you're not sinning while you're confronting that. But, but catch it. Sometimes it could be a sin not to confront some stuff because if somebody's in sin and you're not confronting that sin, then you become an enabler. Somebody's not hearing me this morning. You got to learn how to have healthy confrontation with the scriptures. Sometimes you got to remove yourself from some situations that are physically and emotionally abusive. And you need to pray for that person from a distance. And sometimes you got to exercise biblical church discipline when saints are not acting right. But all of this is a part of exercising biblical love. The only way to love like this is by falling on our faces before the one who is the very embodiment of love. We have to go before God and plead with him to give us strength and wisdom and the ability and the fortitude and the stamina to love the way he loves. Love like this doesn't come naturally. Love like this is supernatural. And it is the it is only when we allow the Holy Spirit of God to teach us in the midst of dealing with the unlovable that we can love like he loves. What else do we need to do? We need to look toward the coming of Christ. It says looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We know that one day the great hope is that Christ is going to crack the sky and take us home to be with him. That's our hope. We need to look forward to that. We need to look forward to his coming. What else? We need to evangelize and we need to disciple. There's three types of people that sometimes you will run into when you're trying to evangelize and disciple. Some people are confused, just straight out confused. They could be even believers who are starting to doubt some things. And you got to come in and you got to provide some clarity. They could have some bad doctrine, not understanding exactly what the scriptures are, are talking about. There's others who are just completely, you know, just rejecting uh, the word of God. And we need to preach the gospel to them anyway in hopes that God will arrest their heart and snatch them out of the fire. And then there's those who are corrupt. And that's, that would be the, uh, the false teachers and the heretics that Jude is talking about in this passage. And we have to be careful around them when we're trying to talk to them about the word because if we're not careful, they can pull us in the wrong direction. And that's why the Bible says, says hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. We just, you know, preach to them, but get out of there because we don't want to have anything to do with what it is that they're spouting off. Got to use discernment. And last thing that I want to say is that we have to know who gives us the victory. We have to know who gives us the victory. Do y'all know who gives you the victory this morning? Y'all kind of quiet. I know y'all got masks on and everything. But y'all know who gives you the victory. Jesus gives us the victory. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God, our Savior, who is alone, is wise, to be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. 
In the present, God is able to keep us from falling or slipping because of bad doctrine and false teaching that's all around us. In the future, for those of us who are believers on Judgment Day, we will not stand condemned because Christ has paid the penalty for our sins and the righteousness of Christ is now placed on us so we can stand without fault. He is the one who deserves all of our praise and all of our worship from this day into forever. So in closing, we need to remember godly teaching. We need to build ourselves up in the faith, which is founded and grounded and rooted in who? Christ. We need to pray in the spirit. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God. It's tough to do, but we have to do it anyway. We need to look toward the coming of Christ. We need to evangelize and disciple. And we need to know who gives us the victory. So I want to encourage you today on your 12th anniversary not to give up. Be encouraged. Like I said in the beginning, these are unprecedented times, but it doesn't mean that we stop being who we are. I said it doesn't mean that we stop being who we are. We're still the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church, and we still are following him. We need to continue to be about kingdom business even now more than ever because people are hurting more than ever. And if you're not a believer today, today is the day of salvation. You need to, you need to come to Christ. You need to understand that you can't come to God any old kind of way. You got to come through Christ alone, through faith alone, through grace alone. Romans 10, 8, 9. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which is preached. That if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead together you will be saved come to christ today that concludes my message i want to end in prayer father we thank you god for your word thank you lord for this opportunity to share pray that anything that was spoken lord you would get the glory out of it and that you would continue to encourage this church thank you that they've been around for 12 years i pray that they'll be around for 100 more years preaching and teaching the gospel and I pray that you would encourage hearts, Lord. There's some people here that are dealing with situations. Um, there's um, a lot of um, heavy emotions that are going on right now, Father God. Um, relationships may be strained, Lord. Um, there may be some difficulties, Lord, uh, in, in conjunction with everything that's happening as far as employment and, and finances and things like that, Father. We, we pray that you would meet people at their point of need, Father. Uh, we thank you that you're a provider. We thank you that you are leading us and guiding us. We thank you that you love us more than we love ourselves. Teach us, Lord, how to love like you love, because it's not easy for us to do that. And, Father, we will give you all the praise, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.